0: I have a question for you, and I suspect those of you that are woodworkers will know the answer, and many of you who don't work with wood also will probably know the answer, but here's the question. What is a veneer? If you know the answer, just shout it out. A covering. A lamination. Covering, a lamination. Okay, why do we use a veneer? What does a veneer do? Covers things up, right? I heard a longer answer back here. (laughs) makes things look different than they really are underneath and that's exactly what happens. A veneer is a covering and we usually talk about it in relationship to wood products and this bookshelf is made with veneer. If you look at the side you can see there's plywood inside and then it has a very thin piece of oak on the outside to make it look like nice light oak. Now, there's something good about that. It makes that bookcase a whole lot more affordable. Because a bookcase made out of solid oak would be very expensive. It also makes the bookcase look better than it really is. Because the oak veneer hides the lower quality plywood that's underneath. This is a really important thing to understand. That veneer creates an outer appearance which covers up what's underneath. And for this reason, veneer serves as a good metaphor for many aspects of life. And let's face it, there's times in each of our lives when we'd rather hide the reality by trying to look good on the outside and not letting people see what's on the inside. Some people hide behind the veneer of wealth, and some use the veneer of fashionable clothing. In the church, we sometimes use the veneer of spirituality. And we try to impress people with our Bible knowledge or with our awareness of church history or church traditions. Or we make sure to use all the right Christian lingo that makes it sound like we really have our act together. And here's the problem. An outward covering of spirituality can hide the fact that we're struggling or that we're hurting or that we're in need of help. It can hide the fact that we're not that spiritually mature and we need to grow in our ability to live by faith. And if the majority of a church operates with a veneer of spirituality, it can hide the fact that the church is spiritually unhealthy or even is actually dying. And that's the tragic case with our spiritual ancestors who lived in the ancient city of Sardis. They are more concerned with looking good than doing good. And their spiritual impotence is hidden beneath a veneer of spirituality and they don't even know it. This is so incredibly unhealthy for them. And to address it, Jesus writes them a letter, a letter with some words of tough love. He gives them a strong warning and urges them to turn things around. It's a warning that every church in every age needs to hear so that we don't make this same mistake and head down that unhealthy path. So let's look at what Jesus says to the church of Sardis in the book of Revelations chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and see what we can learn for our situation. This is Jesus speaking. He's dictating this letter to the apostle John, and he says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Now this is one of seven letters that Jesus writes to different churches. And he begins each letter with a very distinctive greeting to identify himself. And here it's this image of seven stars and seven spirits. The stars represent the seven churches receiving these distinctive letters from Christ. And the seven spirits represent the character and ministry of the Holy Spirit because he's the one who works through the churches to complete the work of God in the world. The main point of this image, though, is that Jesus is in charge, he holds the Holy Spirit and the churches firmly in his grip. And it is this powerful Jesus, this living Jesus, who now is writing to believers in Sardis. Believers who unfortunately place way too much attention on outward appearances. Believers who worry more about looking good than doing good. Believers who worry more about their reputation than the reality of their poor spiritual health. Now, why would Christians adopt that course of action? It's because they learned it from their culture. Sardis once was the capital of an independent kingdom, and it made the citizens arrogant. They viewed themselves as better than others because people often act superior when they live in an upscale community or neighborhood. And Sardis, at the time of this letter, is part of the Roman Empire. And the city thrives due to, due to the marketplace and due to investment from Rome. There's trade that's happening, and so the people are still very wealthy, and they continue then to focus on the veneer of success. And their attitude is, we live in Sardis. We're wealthy. We look good, so we are good. Yet it's just a cultural veneer. I'm struck by what they're doing, though, because the reality is that we're all products of our culture. And because of that, it's not always easy to let Jesus Christ form us into new people made in his image. It's not always easy for you and I to shake off aspects of our culture that actually inhibit the life of faith. It can be true for us, and it certainly was true for the Sardinians. When some of them become followers of Jesus, they bring their cultural patterns into the church. And so the congregation becomes full of Christians who hide behind a veneer. And since they have a reputation as a thriving church, according to what Jesus says here, then we know that it's a veneer of superficial spirituality. Evidently, these people know how to do church in a way that's really impressive. It's just... It's just a mask, though, a mask that hides an ugly reality. And so Jesus dictates this letter to peel off the veneer. And he tells them, you may think you look good, but you're not doing good. Beneath that nice exterior, there's nothing but rot. Think about what that looks like. We've all had the experience of picking up an apple that's shiny and looks crisp and delicious. And then we bite in and all of a sudden there's this huge rotten spot. It looked good on the outside. But there was decay hidden beneath the skin. That's unfortunately the spiritual condition of the church in Sardis. And evidently, they're good at fooling others, which is why they have a great reputation, but they can't fool Jesus. And neither can we. Jesus always sees beneath the veneer. I find myself wondering what does Jesus see when he looks at me? What does he see when he looks at you? What does he see when he looks at us? the Church of Jesus Christ at Garden Way. What he sees in Sardis is a church on the edge of spiritual death. And so we can conclude that they're not living by faith, they're not leading people to Jesus, they're not loving each other, they're not impacting the community around them. And it's no wonder that Jesus says, you need to wake up or you're going to die. It is a stern warning. A warning that if they continue on their current path, their church will die. And yet, as stern as this warning is, there still is hope. Because Jesus has not yet given up on them. He urges them to get back on track, reminding them that there is far more to life than just looking good. He says there's unfinished kingdom business waiting for you. That's what brings meaning to life. The unfinished deeds. I I was praying this week. and I found myself pondering this this idea of unfinished deeds that's mentioned here in verse 2. And Jesus doesn't offer us any specifics about what might fall into that category. Yet I think we can make some logical inferences based on what the scripture teaches us about the mission of the church. Here are three things that I believe always, always qualify as unfinished deeds for the church of Jesus Christ. And number one is making disciples. This is our essential, non-negotiable, perpetually unfinished mission from Jesus. We are called to love people who are far from God. Hopefully get them connected to Christ. And then we we hopefully help them grow so they can live as disciples of Jesus. And number two, one another ministry. Did you know there are 59 Bible passages that urge us to care for each other in a variety of ways? Here in God's family, we are to love each other and serve each other and put up with each other. Hmm. And be humble toward each other. And forgive each other. And so many more. We need each other. Because we may be believers, but we're still broken people living in a broken world. Number three. Serving people in need. We have a biblical mandate to care for the poor and the marginalized people. And we need to give a hand up to such people, both inside and outside the church. And until God's kingdom comes in its fullness, those three things always will be unfinished deeds for us. And this is where we can invest our time and our effort and our energy and our passion and our finances to actually make a difference in the world. And we will find so much more meaning in doing such good, rather than waste time, effort, and money in trying to look good. in garden way, we are doing much good. There is fruit that is happening through the ministry that we do together, yet we still have unfinished deeds, so we cannot relent. We must keep pressing on. We can't ever become like the church in Sardis. Because in their case, there's no deeds at all. Just appearances. They need a dramatic makeover. And Jesus tells them how to do it. They need to reestablish the essentials of faith. And put those essentials at the heart of their life together. And that's what Jesus mentions next in his letter. Verse 3. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. These believers have forgotten what it means to follow Jesus. So he reminds them to get back to the core values of the life of faith. And sometimes we all need to revisit the basics. Vince Lombardi was one of the great NFL coaches of all time. He led the Green Bay Packers to victory in the first two Super Bowls but he wasn't always happy with his team. And one particular season, the team during the middle of the year was struggling, they were not executing well, and so Lombardi called the players together. He had a team meeting and he said, men, we need to get back to basics. This is a football. <laughs> now obviously, NFL players know what a football is. But Lombardi was making a point. We lose focus. When we forget what lies at the heart of what we do. And we, just like the believers in Sardis, periodically need to be, be reminded of the essentials. We need to be reminded of what's the church equivalent of this is a football. And for us, it's what we call the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news that Jesus came to earth and lived among us so we could see what God was like, that Jesus died on a cross so we could be rescued from our sinful condition by God himself and personally experience God's love. And this truth becomes a reality in our lives when we take our very first step of faith. We repent, which means we acknowledge our past, with a desire to be different in the future with God's help. We submit to baptism, which is not a religious ritual, but a deeply spiritual experience. It's an act where we die to our old way of life. We are raised into new life with Christ, and God places his Holy Spirit within us. And if we yield to the influence of this indwelling Holy Spirit, then God, day by day, week by week, changes our character from the inside out. He helps us to get rid of the veneer and live authentic lives in relationship with God and one another. This is the message that the Sardinians heard because it's the message that the apostles proclaimed. And at one point, the Sardinians embraced it, and then somehow, some way, they drifted away from it. And that's deadly because this message, this gospel message is the essence of our faith. It's at the heart of what it means to be a church. What makes a church a church has nothing to do with a building What makes a church a church has nothing to do with the furniture or the decor of the place where we worship. What makes a church a church is not a calendar full of programs. What makes a church a church is faithfulness to the message and mission of Jesus Christ. A church is a community of faith where we focus on doing the good that God wants us to do which is to pursue the unfinished deeds that build the kingdom of God. Loving others, serving the needy, reaching people far from God and drawing them to Jesus. And that's what the Sardinians forgot. This is what they must recapture. Otherwise, Jesus says, I'm going to show up unexpectedly and I'm going to deal with you. And this comment is very pointed to them, because on two different occasions, the city of Sardis was militarily defeated when the people did not keep proper watch, and the enemy snuck in. Jesus is using their own history to remind them of the importance of being alert. However, he's not telling them to watch for an enemy, but to watch for him. Because he certainly is watching them. And thankfully, thankfully as Jesus looks at this spiritually dying church, he finds a spark of life. There is a core of people in the Sardinian church who are still living by faith. And Jesus urges them to remain faithful. And if they do, they can be a source of renewal for the entire church. Look how Jesus closes this letter. Verse 4, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. And then Jesus closes as he closes each of these seven letters. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus has said that the church in Sardis is dying. And yet here in the midst of this superficial dying church, there's a handful of men and women who follow Jesus who are led by the Spirit and who produce spiritual fruit in their lives. And Jesus gives them a promise. If you remain faithful in this life, you will be victorious and you will be honored in the next life. He describes these victorious people wearing garments of white because that color often is used in the Bible to describe the victory of faith over sin. It's the color of purity. And I don't think it's an accident that Jesus talks about clothing. I think it's a dig at the Sardinian culture. Much of their economy is based on the manufacture of fine woolen garments the way that the people in that community dress is part of their veneer. I think Jesus is saying, if you want to wear proper garments, then hold on to me, and I'll clothe you with the real thing, goodness and godliness and purity. That's the most important thing for us to put on. Now, there's a key point we need to understand when Jesus talks about being pure, need to understand that they're not perfect people. We can be pure, but not perfect because of Jesus. So these people who are victorious aren't flawless. They're just faithful. Faithful people are victorious through Christ. And faithful people don't hide behind a veneer. And here's something that Jesus doesn't say, but which we know can be true. God can take this faithful remnant, and he can use them to renew this entire church. Because even a small spark of life can be used by God to promote new growth. When we purchased our home, our property was covered, covered in blackberries, (laughs) It took me over two years to get them all gone. And I discovered something fascinating, that blackberries are tenacious. And on more than one occasion, I would be walking through my yard, and here would be a blackberry root that was dead and crumbling and dying and brown, except for one little piece of the corner. And out of that one little corner piece, here was another green shoot. If there is a single spark of life in a blackberry root, it will produce new growth. And the same is true for us in the community of faith. If there's a flicker of life anywhere in a church, even a church like Sardis that is near death, God can renew it and bring it back to life. And it can happen when the core, the people who still love Jesus are faithful to the gospel mission. It happens when people take Jesus seriously and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. And what the Spirit is saying is vitally important for us to hear. Don't worry about looking good. Do good. Keep pursuing the unfinished deeds that God has entrusted to us. It won't happen, though, if we live in isolation and hide behind a veneer. And one of the best ways to pull off our veneers is by building ever-growing relationships with each other. And that happens best in community, in groups, where we get beneath the surface with others. And we learn how to be honest about who we are and help each other through our struggles. I want to encourage you to get involved in one of our midweek life groups. Or better yet, become part of a growth triad where you can learn to live as a disciple of Jesus. And we have information about all of our groups out in the Welcome Center, or you can fill out that connection card in your program and turn that in, and we will help you get in a group. And if you are feeling spiritually adrift and isolated from God, if you're not yet following Jesus... And it just might be that you're living behind a veneer of self-sufficiency. And I want to encourage you to admit that you need God and take your first step of faith. And if you want to do that, please come and talk with me after the service. I'll be hanging out in the lobby and I would love to chat with you so that you could get a fresh start with Jesus. But wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey today, I believe the message given to us by Jesus is so very, very clear. You and I need to peel off the veneer and get down to the core of who we are so God can help us grow. We need to get back to the basics. (laughs) This is a football for the church, it's the gospel. And we pursue the unfinished deeds that God has given to us. We make disciples. We love one another. We serve people in need. And as you and I do that individually and together, that's how God continually breathes new life into his church. And that's how we become more and more a church that transforms each other as well as that community out there that desperately needs Jesus.